Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I am so happy that you are joining us today. Russell Case is back and he is with me and we are joined by Jen Renee, who is an Ashtanga yoga teacher. Maybe you've seen her Instagram or know of her programs online, but her mission and her career is dedicated to making Ashtanga yoga accessible to everyone. And we're going to talk to her a bit about her knee injury. And you might find this very interesting. So be sure to listen to the end where she talks about her ACL surgery and meniscus surgery and the recovery process and how she's adapted and changed her practice to help her recover most effectively and with a sense of grace and ease, even though recovering from an injury is always difficult and an ongoing process. So I know you're going to love this conversation with Jen. And I also want to tell you about a really special upcoming program. I am curating a unique group, an intimate group. It will be capped at 20 people. And so whether you're a yoga teacher, a coach, a healer, a therapist, breathwork facilitator, or spiritual seeker with untapped potential, I want to invite you to join me at the beginning of the year. We'll start January 3rd, and it will be for the month of January, four weeks where we're focused on coming together and infusing new life into your personal practice and also the business that you have because typically you're an entrepreneur building a business. And so this is an opportunity to deepen your spiritual practice, uh, connect to your personal self-care practice and your highest self or the God of your understanding, as well as develop the essential skills that you need to be a leader of impact in the world, whether you're a yoga teacher, a coach, a therapist, or a wellness facilitator and how to attract the right people and resources to bring your bigger vision to life, and so much more. This is going to be such a beautiful group, a beautiful gathering, and I'm so excited to be offering this more than asana mentorship. We're really going to be diving into creating confidence and self-worth and self-belief and clarity in all that you're doing. And we're going to talk about patriarchy and power, as well as the balance between discipline and surrender. I'm just like so excited. This is honestly my favorite offering that I've ever created. And I'm opening up to 20 people. If you want to be one of those 20 people, shoot me a DM at Harmony Slater Official or drop me a line at harmony at harmonyslater.com and a little email. You can find all this information also on my website, harmonyslater.com forward slash more dash than dash asana. You can just look it up too. In the show notes, we will have the links and I'm just so excited to invite you into this beautiful container of coaching and mentorship for the month of January to really start your year off in a super powerful way. So without further ado, let's chat with Jen. I'm here with Russell Case again today. Harmony. Hi, Russell. Does this mean that I'm no longer on probation? 
Yeah, you're out of podcasting jail. Well, I just want to say, I was really, I want to apologize. Uh, we did a podcast with um, Naomi Judd. Or no, 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 you're right. It was Winona Judd. What? And I asked a lot of inappropriate questions and I just went way off the rails. We and had we had to, to throw out yeah. the entire podcast. Yeah, and it was like, good stuff. Junk the whole thing. We had to junk the whole thing. That's and then a first. you got put in podcasting jail. I just really want to apologize to our listeners. Good. Just just like how I got put in Facebook jail. Ooh, that was bad. You gave away like $1,100 to like Afghan refugees. I don't know. Some kind terrible. of terrorist organization. Who are we interviewing today? We have mm. the ever lovely Jen Renee. I know her. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Jen. <laughs> From the East Coast to the West. Are we, yes. the, are we the West? Yeah. No, she used to live on the East Coast and now she lives on the West Coast. <laughs> oh, that's her. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Nice. Where did you live in the East Coast? I was in Washington, D.C. Oh, D.C. Yeah, that is swampy. Yeah. And I thought it was like a metaphor, but they mean it. No, they do mean it. It is the real thing. I was thing. very surprised yeah. how wet and mosquito-y, yeah. like not kidding around. Did you grow up there? Your parents are Afghan refugees? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I actually moved to D.C. for grad school, and it was just one of those things. Like, I moved there and it took me a really long time to leave and i never had thought i would stay as oh, long as i did georgetown poli sci no i went to gw for um international affairs it's the same thing which, yes yeah almost the same thing you were okay so you were you know and that's just really helped me a lot as a yoga teacher it was <laughs> try having a well, graduate degree in painting to help yeah. you right wow yoga mm. is kind of an international affair so true right when you look at it like that well what what made you move then well how did you well, what sparked... how'd you get to but where did you move there from Okay, let's start at the beginning. I like to start at the beginning. I like to do a linear <laughs> path. Well, I grew up in New Hampshire, and then I had moved around a little bit. I went to school in Philadelphia, grad, and then lived in San Francisco for a little while. Um, and that's kind of when I really started doing yoga was in San Francisco. What, who were you studying with in SF? Uh, back before I had a Mysore practice, I was doing rocket yoga with Larry Schultz. With Larry himself? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was fact. It was actually a really cool time to be doing it because they had like a giant warehouse and they were being really to big store all the dope. And, um, it was, Larry was cool. Yeah. He had a lot of good stories, and he was um, a character oh, that's for sure. Amazing, um, awesome. That is back yeah. in the day. That's an original OG. Yeah, it was a long time ago, and then that kind of got me interested in Ashanga. So it was there. kind of a natural progression then to come back to the West Coast. You know, it took me a long time to leave D.C. because I loved it. But were you doing Ashtanga in D.C.? It was, I was doing Ashtanga and I had a, um, a really big Meister yeah. program. But there was there. a guy I met who was like a, a runner who was running a program. Uh, there was a French guy who was had a program. Who were you with there? She had her own program. Well... Yeah, you I were, had my own You ran your right own now. program yeah. in D.C. You weren't studying with anyone yeah, else in no. D.C. I mean, I had originally started practicing my story with somebody else in D.C. Um, and then I, I started um, my own oh, program wow. sometime after okay. that. Okay, wow. And was that after you finished yeah. grad school? It was after grad okay. school. Okay. But you two met in Mysore. Yeah. So what? We met in we Mysore. Met in Mysore. Well, that was when you were in D.C. also running your Mysore program. Yeah, that was after that was after grad school, but before ah, I had a Mysore program. Okay. So you took yeah. the age old advice, 
Before starting a Mysore program, go to Mysore. Right. <laughs> go to Mysore. Yes. And that's when I met Russell. So I was fairly new to the traditional Ashtanga uh -huh. at the time. Like I, I've been practicing Mysore style less than a year when I went to Mysore. And I remember Russell because I had never seen anybody kick into Lotus, felt like seated on his butt. He you mean like just Lotus whip, so fast. whip it, that whippy thing? Yes. I didn't even know that that was possible. I just didn't even, had never occurred to me that you could sit on your butt and kick your legs into Lotus. But that's kind of the beauty of going to someplace like Mysore because it just opens up your mind to all these things that are possible that you just have, I never saw that where yeah. I was practicing. And like, I just, it never occurred to me. That, that was possible. Well, I'd seen Krishnamacharya do it in a, in that old timey video. Right. My, and Williams used to do it all the time. I'd too, never, I, I, I didn't, never, I had never seen that. him do that, <laughs> but I, I knew that Krishnamacharya did. I knew it was possible, and I was, and I, had, I was learning at that time that that's where my strengths were. Like Robbie Cavallero told me this one. Some people are backbenders, like Robbie. Some people are forward benders, you know, like maybe I don't know. And then some people. Uh, are hip swivelers. And I was a hip swiveler, which is a more rare talent to have. I'm a hip swiveler. Not a lot of people appreciate it. I had seen, what's his name from Australia? Like Michael Phelps. Matthew Sweeney. Matthew Sweeney. I'd seen Matthew Sweeney. He, now he's a phenomenal human being. He was in Downward Dog and he jumped into Kukutasana from Downward Dog. And you kind of, have to whip your legs into Lotus to land in Urdhva which is special. So I thought, well, I'm just going to do it the easy way from my sitting on my butt. And then I'll work my way up to <laughs> jumping into it. From Downward from Dog. From Downward Dog. Did you ever get there? I can do it in handstand, but I couldn't like... That's hard. You got to really slow down that jump, jump forward. And then I, but I couldn't do it in from downward dog by the time I practice collapse. There's so many places I want to go with, with this conversation because it reminds me of meniscus tears, which we'll get into. <laughs> Never tore my meniscus. I'm a hip swiveler. I know, but Jen did. So. I'm so open. And then, and then you learn things about yourself. Like you start examining your parents. Did you ever do this, guys? Did you ever look at your parents and try to figure out where your advantages came from? And I realized it's my mom. My mom is a hip swiveler. Yeah, she is quite open. She, and she didn't, she has, no one ever told huh. me growing up that my mom had a big open groin. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm sure you never heard it. Well, I had heard it on occasion. So um, what did you think of Mysore? That was like back in the old, olden days, old timey days. Did you love it or did yeah, you find was, it weird? I did. I No, I loved it. So like I mentioned, I hadn't been doing Ashtanga very long, so it was super intimidating. Um, you know, I just felt like an, an outsider or like a new, but I, I loved it. And I ended up staying for like six or seven months. It was yeah, before there yeah, were all the rules and you, you had to stay a long time. And I just learned so much and it was so impactful, um, in my development as a yoga practitioner. I mean, I just learned a ton and, and I really did love it. And then I sadly, I never went back to Mysore. I, you know, I wanted to... And I thought I would, and I had just a lot of pressure from my parents who were like, oh, you have this expensive degree, oh, yeah. like, can you yeah. get a job? And so there was that, but then I met Tim Miller, and I just 
really resonated with him and his teachings. And I started you know, devoting my time to studying. You moved to Encinitas. Him. But I mean, and yeah, and eventually it led me to Encinitas to move yeah. there to, to practice. But at first you them. were like just going back and forth or having him come to your school or things like that. Yeah. 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 At first I was just going back and forth, going, practicing with him for a few weeks here and there when I could. And he came out to DC a few times. And then finally I was able to, yeah. to move you, out you here. You took like an ambassadorship for California? <laughs> but were you, were you actually yeah. working in, in like the political scene as well as running a Mysore program? No. Okay. <laughs> that was just something your parents no, dreamed of? <laughs> It's just something that I, I mean, I just kind of made the mistake of going to grad school for the wrong thing. You know, I had found yoga and I loved it. So I just didn't know at the time that it would ever be possible to have a career teaching yoga. It's like a, a meaningful career where I just wasn't running around and, you know, teaching yeah. tons of classes. I, I just didn't think at the time that it would ever be sustainable. And so I thought I would go back to grad school instead, even though I already really loved the practice at that time. Um, but I just didn't have that vision or... Was there a graduate program that you, you that would have been more suitable for you? I really, I don't know. Maybe something more like physical therapy. I don't know. Maybe mm -hmm. I should have just not come back to mm -hmm. grad school. Philosophy and religious studies. I can tell you all about it. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting that she didn't say that. I was expecting her to say yeah. that, but that she said the, the, the other one. Yeah. That's interesting. That That kind of like, oh, that's a side of you. Like, that's the direction you would have gone. Do you find that you're... A bit more, uh, what's the right word? Um, like into yoga therapy? Structural in your approach? My approach to teaching, yeah, yoga? Teaching, or? Yeah, yeah, that you're huh. a bit more on on that side of understanding how the, the parts fit together than, you know, how the, the, the mind embodies the parts. That's a good question. I've never quite thought of it that way. I mean, I, I try to really teach to I whoever I have in front of me, whatever I really have in front of me, and kind of draw on everything that I've learned through my own practice or what I've learned from teachers or what I've learned from other students. Um, so I think that I don't know that I ever have a real structure or expectation of anything before I kind oh, of start getting into it. <laughs> oh. But is that true though? Do you find that you, that what you seek out is like a, is a flow state? Do you find yourself drawn to that? Will you, will you appreciate each, yeah, each moment yeah. with a new beginner's mind? Okay, that's a good point too. Because when I'm in my flow state, sure, I can appreciate every moment as it, in that beginner's mind. But it's kind of hard for me to get there. Something, it's just not some place that I always drop mm -hmm. into. Uh, there's a lot of other pulls or distractions or worries. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. so is that what drew you to the yoga practice? Then was it like it helped you to connect to that state more, or what was it? What was it that kind of brought you in? So it's kind of funny because I, I just got in my head that I wanted to do yoga. And I don't really, I don't really know where that came. Because this was probably in like 2003. I had just moved to a new place for a job. And I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends there. And I just like, okay, well, I'm going to start doing mm -hmm. yoga. And I found a studio in the Yellow Pages and went and <laughs> And it's just, you know, it, it was so impactful. And I, I don't know what pulled me in. I just knew that I wanted to try it. And then once I started doing it, I did find that, um, you know, just a real, I really resonated with the practice and I felt like it brought my mind to 
a different yeah. a different place that I couldn't get yeah. to otherwise. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I have a bunch of them. Really? Have, How many? I, yeah, I've got, I've got two sisters and a brother. And are are you the top or the bottom or the middle? I'm the oldest. You're in charge of shit. Okay. <laughs> and and of your brothers and sisters, are do you find that that you are more like one of your parents and they are Well, I do find myself becoming more and more like my parents all Scary. the time, which is uh, a little alarming. Yeah. It's just like, oh man, I sound like my mom. And, but it's kind of hard to say because I don't I, I left home when I was 18, so I'm still, I see them frequently and, you know, I talk to them all the time, but I think that I have two siblings that stayed close to my parents and um, I have a sister who is actually out here in California also. And so I feel like the two that are kind of near my parents geographically and see them more often, they kind of fall more into they're like, more like them. the parent camp where they, I think I'm they're more I'm just trying like to them. get to the, to the, to the, you know, the foundation here of like how you became you. And if there was a particular parent that, you know, you, you fall, you were kind of in the same pattern as that person, or maybe there's like a, an auntie who maybe went out there just, and like was doing yoga and freaking people out. She's just uniquely herself on her own path. I don't believe in that. <laughs> well, other people mm. do. My Parents certainly never influenced me to do yoga. They were actually, I think, a little concerned when I started getting really into yeah. it. Like, Did what? they think you were in a cult? The word cult definitely came up. You, yeah. you were, but go ahead. I mean, I'm sure that's pretty common. So they, it wasn't something that they completely encouraged either, but it's, I think it's just more of something that they came to accept. But let's take the just take the word yoga out of it. Like just a just the the like maybe your dad's a golfer and just like that that urge to be, to enter a flow and get away from you know executive function and find a way to get away from it so that you can kind of relax. You know, is there an urge there? Someone who's that got that kind of dynamic going on? Well, the only thing I would say is that my parents are pretty religious. Like they're Catholics who like. Right. You know, my dad has like a little pocket of medals of like saints that I don't, he used to have, keep it oh, in his pocket. Oh, and like, and I think that they really turn to prayer a lot. And so maybe that's yeah. a oh, bit of a similarity. A, a, an entirely different pantheon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they do really like golf, but I don't think golf <laughs> takes them into a flow state. Like I've seen a lot of frustration come, uh, um, yeah. come from their golf. That's interesting that they have a religious um bent yeah that's a part of something that you grew up with and was in your yeah in your atmosphere and then yeah. and then i mean yoga is itself like a religious practice in some sense and that it's you it know can be done that way. yeah tapping into that embodiment and and mindfulness and breath which is spirit you know all of those mm -hmm. things so keeping your mind on guruji at all times yeah mm. this is kind of interesting there must have been a break for you where you were like yeah i don't Catholicism really is not for me yeah i don't want to follow this path was that like a conscious choice or no, no? no i don't think evolve? it was conscious so i mm. um because I mean, I went to, I even went to Catholic college. Like I went to Catholic school oh, and yeah. and it wasn't, um, I mean, Catholic high school or elementary school, I didn't have a choice. Like that was just yeah. what, what my parents Joy. wanted us to do. Yeah. And <laughs> so that's just what I did. And then the Catholic college is kind of weird because it wasn't like when I planned to go to a Catholic college, I just really liked it. Yeah. Wh which one? Um, Villanova. Uh, oh, Villanova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Jimmy V? Yes. <laughs> like, cause, and then after college, like, I don't, I don't know if I ever really even went to church again. But, but to me, yoga has always kind of been my way to see God since I started mm-hmm. practicing it. I mean, it is that. It makes me feel closer to the divine or, you know, maybe I don't see it as like the God that I grew up visualizing, but, um, but that kind of source energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that source energy. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. I, that's a really neat connection because I think it is that's a familiar feeling maybe. Yeah. That you're, you know, when you start practicing yoga if you have a religious sort of upbringing that you're I don't know, you can kind of relate to that inner feeling or that mm-hmm. sense of spaciousness or peace or calm. Yeah, the spaciousness um, yeah. for sure and the, and the calmness that kind of Yeah. comes from yeah. it. Yeah, like, well, just the the quiet, the introspection, and maybe even a bit of the ritual. Yeah, yeah, the ritual too, especially coming like from a Catholic background. There's yeah. a lot of ritual there, and I think uh, it doesn't surprise me that that you resonated with the Ashtanga practice because there's like so much ritual involved Tons. with it too, yeah. right? So it really like kind of follows a similar vein, although. A very different color, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 um, what do you call that when you change religions? Convert. I converted. Uh, to, How many times? Which is the the one time from <laughs> Judaism, which I didn't know that I was, to uh, Presbyterianism, and what really attracted me to Presbyterianism was just sitting and listening to Pastor David Bianchian, which I'll never forget him. Um, listen to him teach us ways of being that would improve our lives through a, um, a moral or anecdote from the Bible. And, and like, I would listen to, you know, you learn whatever saint or whatever experienced like the suffer, like normal human sufferings and what they did about it. And it's like learning through story was a phenomenal way of getting to the root of a religious experience. And that seemed to be the religious experience within that you know, within that church. I mean, I guess the people did some singing and stuff, but I was never very good at that. But I really liked listening to those stories. Were you at all, like, not freaked out, but like the first time you went to India because you'd been, in, you know, growing up in America, like raised in this uh-huh. sort of Catholic environment. Was it like new and interesting? And did you resonate with it right away? Or were you a little bit like, what? is going on here <laughs> like this is a whole other planet <laughs> I mean, it is colorful like the catholics right i think it um no it was kind of like what is is <laughs> yeah. going on here I, I mean it's a wild experience oh, yeah. the, the first time i mean the noises the sounds the yeah. the organized chaos i mean the colors all of it it's the smells and i had been the smells i mean i had been, and i had been to developing countries before but nothing like india i, yeah, I mean right. india is just a, a different yeah a different it's a world experience of its own, right? yeah. it is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's amazing i i had circumnavigated the globe and i thought i was a pretty seasoned traveler you know yeah. until i got to india and then you're right like, it's yeah. like what the f- is <laughs> yeah this yeah you've been to a lot of countries before even yeah i i mean i literally like by train circumnavigate the globe yeah. and like that that's almost all the countries except india except <laughs> india i've been to you know china beijing and in Ch- korea and russia moscow and 
France, Poland, like it was like I'd men, Canada, even. (laughs) I'm like, man, that was. It's so different because I had been to like places like China that are also really different, but then compared to India, still. Yeah, no. And India blew my mind. Yeah. 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 Like, how did that ignite a passion? Because then you went right into creating your own yoga. I kept teaching a. Quite, I had actually quite a few classes, probably Mm -hmm. still teaching like five or I don't know, six, seven, eight classes a week. But I I did work for a little while in like a a desk job working at the U.S. Coast Guard, actually, like as a contract employee. I was never in the the Coast Guard, but um, and it just wasn't a great fit. And then I I had, I guess it was just really hard for me to kind of take that plunge, like for the reasons I mentioned before, like I just was scared I would never be able to have a career or pressure from family or or even just like this idea of what I should be doing that I had had for a long time. And then the studio that I had been teaching at for some time, the owner there just was like, I want to start a Mysore program. And I was, I was like, yeah, okay, like, but I really like to practice in the morning. So I don't know if I can help you with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And she kind of just like mentioned it several times. And then finally, she's just like, I'm going to get somebody else to do it if you don't want to do it. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want anybody else to do it. So I guess I will, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it really just blossomed into this amazing thing where I, uh, it really let me develop as a teacher. And it really just gave me this amazing opportunity that I'm not sure I ever would have had otherwise to share things with a lot of, of people. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, and it was great. Like I, it grew to be a really big program um, that I just ended up operating out of that studio. We kind of had a agreement where I just rented the space from them, which was a really huge blessing also, because it did allow me to um, support myself in a way that yeah. I never would have been able to, if I was just right. getting paid yeah. per class. And, um, and then, you know, it grew and it was great. And, met amazing people. And then when I moved out here, we actually kept it going. Um, and I would go back and teach periodically. And there were a bunch of people who had been my assistants prior who were teaching it. Um, and it kept going until COVID. And then, you know, we have to let it go at that point between the distance and everything shutting down. So you have a program now in Encinitas? No, sadly, yoga has really kind of, um, or at least Ashtanga has just kind of slowed down here, which is a sad thing because Encinitas has always kind of been the epicenter of um, Ashtanga in the States anyways. Um, And I did teach at Tim's studio for a while after I moved out. I think they actually still have a few online offerings, but Tim isn't teaching now. And um, and it's just kind of dwindled here. So I'm hoping that, you know, sometime in the near future, I can get a, I'll be teaching more in person and yeah. have another Mysore program, but I I think it might not be here. Yeah, but I'm you're te- teaching online, right? I'm teaching online. Yeah, yeah, I'm teaching online and, you know, I do some events and workshops and, yeah. but I'm teaching, I'm definitely teaching a lot less, which is so funny because there was a time when I really wanted to teach less. Right. And I, like, I was like, I'm teaching too much. And, and like, I started creating online programs before COVID, like well before COVID, because I really, yeah. And, you know, like when you're teaching a lot of my sort, it's so physically tiring. Yeah. And so I really wanted to um, not have to teach as much as I was. And now I really want to teach more in person. And like, I, I you know, I really, I miss it. So it's just, you know, yeah. things change. When you were in Encinitas, were you around for the that whole 
Joyce Yoga experience. I'm wondering because when Joyce was- Yoga opened up, there I remember there being like a big hoop flaw, especially within Tim's studio. And then they made an offer to Tim to teach there. And it kind of, there was a lot of hot feelings. I just didn't know if that was like where you were there. And- I was still in DC then. I mean, Tim had talked to me about that um, and I had, you know, I had heard about it. Okay. And I think everything kind of worked out in, in the end with no hard feelings. But, um, yeah, yeah. and Andrew's still teaching it under the name of Joyce here. Yeah. yeah. Still around. Yeah. Yeah. There's still remnants of it. Still a little bit. Yeah. 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 I'm just mining for emotional minefields. I'm just looking, like, got my metal detector out. <laughs> That's loaded. So you, one of the things that we talked about before that would be interesting to talk about, I think, is, like, you have a lot of experience of recovering from injury. And, I mean, you you have a very advanced practice, but then you have a meniscus injury and have had to take time to recover from that and... Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your process because well, that seems to be something tell us that what happened. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What happened? How you recovered? What's going on? Yeah, here's the juice <laughs> of the story. So I tore my ACL completely and my meniscus um, back in March of 22. Oh, it's new. And so it's kind of it's funny because I actually thought I had some pretty bad injuries before this too. Like I had had um, a stress fracture and L2. Like I had had some pretty bad injuries and. Nothing else compares to this even remotely. Um, so the injury happened skiing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. that always does with the ACL. <laughs> it's, it, it's what came into my mind. It's like, oh. It was skiing. And, you know, I hadn't skied for years and I was just enjoying myself and getting back into it. And it was pretty bad. I had to, you know, get in the toboggan, taken down off the mountain. And yeah. and I knew that I had really screwed something up, although I was yeah. really hoping that it wasn't as bad as it it turned out to be. And it it has been a long process recovering from and the whole thing just takes a long time anyways. Like it takes a long time to MRI schedule, then nobody wants to operate until the swelling goes down. So the whole process just even to get to the point of surgery is pretty drawn out. So um, six months. It took me five months to have the surgery, um, okay. but part of that was because I had really wanted to do Richard and Mary's month long intensive that summer, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, I'll just push it off another month." Oh, did you hear the story about how that happened to Mary? Yes, actually, Mary and I talked about yeah, that a yeah. lot because she she did her skiing also, right. and um, we talked before the surgery and after after the surgery and she definitely um helped me gave me a lot of really good pointers good. Yeah. Or, or, yeah yeah so it was good you went it was good that i went i so i did the surgery in august of 2022 and i got a um cadaver acl ligament put in and they stitched my meniscus and the stitching of the meniscus is pretty unusual. Sometimes they can do it. Um, and But then even when they can do it with somebody my age, sometimes they just don't mm-hmm. do it. It's something that they like to do with younger people more are, so. Are we not um, younger people? No. I know. That's actually what they told me. <laughs> that's so funny. But at the same time, I'm old enough to get the cadaver ligament because they don't give cadavers to young people either oh. because they um, the body rejects them. Right. Well, you don't but reject dead people? Oh, man. You get to be so age and your body's just like, yes, I'll, I'll take, take the young person. ACL. I'll fuck. take anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. That's wow. so fascinating. Wow. 
it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's super bizarre. So, so oh. immediately after the surgery, like I couldn't really do any type of practice. And then by the time I had the surgery, like I was, I mean, I wasn't practicing anything with a bent knee, but I, I was kind of doing a mix of like poses from second and third and maybe even like a little of the back bends from fourth, you know, just kind of piecing a lot of things together, just avoiding things with a like a lotus knee or something I'm like sorry, that. Sorry, I'm still stuck on this. Even like something like Janu A. Right. I'm just yeah. I'm trying to imagine Winona Ryder like accepting Gorgon ligament in Stranger <laughs> Things because she's old enough <laughs> to do that. And I'm just like, what is I just uh, the kids, the kids can't accept that stuff. <laughs> Oh my God! So I'm sorry. You can do John. You couldn't do John A. No, of course not, because you've got a major knee, knee issue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or Baykasana? No. No. Nothing no, where it's uh, like. Don't in, do Baykasana. Intensely. Flat. Don't do that. No. Right. <laughs> Definitely no Baykasana. So I mean, but but leading into the surgery, like I was doing. You were doing it all. A lot. Right. And then, um, you know, after the surgery, it was seven weeks on crutches. Yeah. And which is, there was just so much atrophy in my body. And also, I don't think I ever appreciated how much yoga asana regulates my mood because (laughs) I was really, really sad. And it's just, it wasn't just that I wasn't doing asana. I mean, I also wasn't going for walks or doing much of anything. Um, And so people who have had ACL surgery that I talked to, warning me they're like you're gonna get really depressed and I was like I'm not gonna get depressed I've never been depressed I'm not gonna get depressed but it actually was quite depressing Mm -hmm. just yeah um Mm. not being able to move yeah it's hard when you're on crutches and just getting around and yeah it's just hard um but I I would still do my seated practice and do chanting or Mm -hmm. whatever I could and I actually did like a little bit of Pilates just so I could try to keep a little bit of core strength I mean I couldn't really do a whole lot of that either but um but that was always easier than yoga because you can do so much of it when you're lying down yeah yeah, yeah. and straight legs too right straight legs <laughs> lying down yeah. like like i could do that um and then you know probably like two months after the surgery i started getting back into asana practice and really slowly at first but it was it was just a little bit worse than i expected because i had after the initial injury things had kind of um improved so quickly mm-hmm. i guess mm. but but my leg was very unstable and you know i needed the surgery but after the surgery there's just so much sensation where the incisions yeah. were so then i couldn't do things that i had been able to do previously like lustrosana like oh, i just couldn't right i couldn't kneel yeah, yeah. Um, open up the wound it just opened up the wound and then it just felt kind of like pins and needles yeah. or even like bakasana. Like I couldn't do bakasana for probably like pretty close to a year after the surgery, even though I had been able to do it after the injury, but it was just the sensation in the knee had, had changed a lot. And I, I had expected it to be a long recovery. I mean, I wasn't thinking that it was going to be something that you'd bounce right back from. Um, but, you know, I ended up getting hip tendonitis oh, yeah. because of I don't know, crutches or who knows why I got the hip tendonitis. Actually, I think it had to do with the exercise I was doing also. And then like a lot of pain in my ankles. And it was just kind of one thing Mm -hmm. after another for a long time. Um, And so it was like maybe one or two weeks ago that I finally got back into a lotus, you know, going really slowly 
Um, you whipped it in. No, I don't know. If, and I don't know if something like that's ever going to be possible again. Like that's, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how much mobility I get back. I think I'll get more back. I think it'll continue to improve, yeah. but I don't know if it'll ever get back to. Um, and I think that that's kind of the thing when you're coming back from a, a, a big injury. And I've seen lots of students come back from injuries that have involved surgery. I mean, people make remarkable recoveries and it's so incredible how much yeah. muscle memory plays in it. I mean, it's remarkable sure. what the body remembers. But I think that like with these bigger injuries, you are measuring your recovery in terms of years. Mm -hmm. like, it's yeah. it's not months, it's, it's years. Um, so you gotta be really patient. What were you good at in, in asana? What was your strength? What direction? Were you, were you um, strong? You a backbender, a forebender, or a hip swiveler? Are you a strength gut person? <laughs> I, I, I've never been a hip swiveler. So anything with the hips always took a lot more work for me. I mean, I, could, I was always able to eventually get it. It just wasn't something that I could Easy. do yeah. right away. That always took more work. So I would say probably more like um, backbending and like balances always came pretty easily. You kind of struck me as a strength person. Yeah. The stability there. Because it's a it's a it's a feeling like that whatever your advantage is is really a, is it really an aspect of your personality. It's your personality manifests. And so like a a droopy limp person that just sits there is gonna be a backbender. You know? And so someone who has quite a firm control over their lives and they're also courageous. They're going to be someone that can do, you know, balancing. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. Because I think that stability does come into the the personality mm -hmm. type with the arm balances. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting. My good friend, Maya Hess, who you might know, who's like the ultimate backbender. The most relaxed yeah. <laughs> person on the planet. She always, uh, she said when she was doing third series, learning third series, she felt like she was like ready to fight someone the time and it was like a feeling that <laughs> she wasn't used to right because it's like so much like building that strength in yeah your, like in a shell almost in your in your back muscles and your arm muscles like a fighting position <laughs> and then she would go home and lie down for eight hours yeah. after practice to grow her get muscles. up have a coconut <laughs> water and then go back to sleep yeah but it is interesting and her personality actually became you know as she she told me like more firm you know, where she would be able to bend over backwards for, you know, everyone. But then when she started doing all those strength arm balances, she started to like kind of stand up for herself a bit more. And, and yeah, yeah, isn't it wild how that, yeah. that is? Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. Like looking back at my mm -hmm. practice over, you know, many years, I, I feel like each series has kind of brought something out of my personality. Mm -hmm. um, and I also feel like just maybe it's coincidentally or oddly, I don't know, but like anytime I've started a new series, it just always seems to kind of coincide with this new chapter in my life also, which is been kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. That is cool to reflect upon. What yeah, happens like, when you start cool. giving those series back? What does that mean? It means that you just start walking your dogs more and you cook, <laughs> you go back to painting <laughs> Like another, and then, another chapter. That's the chapter that I'm in, yes. Yeah, you're like, I'm, mm. I'm going to get rid of those ones. Yeah, I do some push-ups <laughs> now and then. Yeah, I've given up. <laughs> I've given back a number of series now. Yeah. You got what you needed from them, maybe. I, 
Yeah. I did. Well, that's a good question, but it's I'm I'm not being interviewed, but like <laughs> I would love to talk about myself. But like we, we can we, what do you think you you know, I wanted to ask you about this because this is um I, th- I think a problem that we as westerners have with someone like Patabi Joyce is that you get something like an, a torn ACL and you Patabi Joyce might just say that you were supposed to have it, you needed to have it, you needed to learn from it, and this is your samskara, and that's the important thing, is to suffer it and to study it. And did you, do you agree with that one? And do you feel like you deserved it? And what did you learn from it? It was exactly the lesson you needed. Was it? That seems, <laughs> man, thank you, God. Well, it's interesting that, that you asked that, actually, because I have thought of that a bit. Like, I don't think that, um, I, I really regret tearing my ACL. <laughs> I really, really want to emphasize that. Um, um, I really, really regret it. Like, I wish I hadn't taken that run skiing. Like, I was skiing in the trees. What was I thinking? I wasn't like the 25-year-old skier that I used to be. Like, why did I have to do that to myself? But yeah. So I really, really regret it. But I do wonder if so much asana over the years, because like I used to love doing tons of other things. And then I started doing less and less of it because yoga took up more time. And I also just loved yoga so much that I, you know, I wanted to be good at it. And so I stopped doing some other things that might have interfered with that. And I think that I let my body get really out of balance. I think my legs got super, super weak. I don't think that having a weak leg, I probably would have torn the ACL anyways. I mean, I think there was enough impact. Mm-hmm. But um, but I just, you know, there was so much emphasis on being really flexible. And I think Ashtanga, you know, doesn't do a ton for strengthening the legs. I mean, the arm balances do a lot for the upper body and the chaturangas and whatever. And then I, I usually would be, I used to skip standing poses all the time. It's like I couldn't even work on my legs for like, a few poses. So I think I just really let my legs get weak and, and really out of balance. So if anything's come out of it is that I put more emphasis on building strength and it's come at a cost. I mean, my hips have gotten really yeah. tight, the, but they were always kind of like weak. The, my weak point the younger anyways. people always made fun of us back in the day in the nineties, <laughs> they would make fun of us and say, Oh, you are stungies and your weak legs, your spindly legs. <laughs> They hold standing mm-hmm. postures for like five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be the type of thing. Like I would, because mm-hmm. I used to have a, a friend who's an younger teacher, yeah. and we would practice together. And when we practiced together, we would always do what you know what she was working on, because I was always kind of working on the same types of things. And my legs would be killing. Yeah. And even like Richard Freeman always has us whole standing poses for ages. Like he'll be telling stories while you're in the standing pose. And meanwhile, like every, like my legs are twitching. Yeah. yeah. Not like, a big fan of that kind I of stuff. I gotta come out of this. But that's, that's an interesting mm. observation. Like how I think, and I think it's something that happens a lot to, you know, very dedicated, driven, myopic yoga practitioners is especially Ashtanga yoga students because we get so into that one type of practice into the sequence into the series and we're only doing that thing and it takes up so much time so that's like two hours out of your day basically where you're just doing this one thing over and over and over again two hours contribute to your day no but then like I mean how much I mean if you're trying to 
hold another job or have a family or, you know, oh, yeah. Don't do are you going to like go I, weight train or run or do like some other complimentary, you know, go climb? I mean, if you're single, great. You can maybe spend your time however you want. But if you have other things that you have to take care of in life, two hours is quite a commitment already. Right? It's a lot. But if you have no other it's things, a- two hours is not nearly enough. <laughs> That's my experience. It's <laughs> a big commitment. And it's hard to, even if you have the time, even just to have the energy right. to, to, you know, do other physical activity after a vigorous Ashanga practice. It, it's Right. You're like, I'm going to do two hours of asana and then I'm going to go swim for an hour? No, no, no. Right. You're going to do your practice again in the evening. <laughs> right. That's what you do when you don't have anything else. <laughs> It's like that's yeah. that's how all those guys were really good. That's how like they were doing four to five hours a day. They're like, pretty strong though. Mark Yao doing primary series before he would come in to do his whole practice. Yeah, but again, that's a different that's a kind of lifestyle where you have nothing else to do yeah. except work out all day long right. yeah. and rest. Work yeah. out right. and rest. I mean, at that point you're basically a professional athlete. Yes. And that's not a realistic expectation or reality for like 99.9% of the population that's going to practice yoga. But for the professional athletes, that's the requirement. (laughs) Right. That's the job. I mean, but they don't get paid. So you also have to be independently wealthy. We got paid a little bit. (laughs) A very little bit. But not not paid. We got paid some to be professional athletes. We we made sometimes like 30 grand. <laughs> yeah, that was a high salary. It was a great a year. year. That, that was a great that year. That was like a year. That was yeah. like rolling in the money. Oh, man. When you spend <laughs> nothing on yourself except food, that's a great year. <laughs> you take all of that money and then you go live in Mysore for nine months. <laughs> that's what you do. That's the job. That's the job. But it's yeah. not a job. It's well, not realistic. Paid. It's it's not realistic if you want to live a full, well-rounded and balanced life. Are you life. saying it was a fantasy land? <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's not a well-rounded lifestyle. It doesn't encourage people to be healthy and balanced and well, well-rounded if that's like your entire focus, just those three things, asana, saving as much money as you can and getting back to Mysore. Well, maybe a well-rounded community needs like one or two people to do that. No, and then those people are put up on a pedestal and then get as paid. like the icon. And get paid. Right. And every- everyone can do it. Yeah. I mean, most people can't do no. it. Yeah. Most people, no, you know. no. 99% so, of people cannot do this. I think it's really important. I mean, it's sad to get injured, but it is important. I think those epiphanies, those revelations of like, oh, wait, there's more to life than just- this one thing right right like it's definitely um helped me find a little bit more balance with things Mm -hmm. and and back to practicing asana you know five or six days a week now because even for a long time after the injury when i was starting to do asana again it wasn't daily like i wasn't enjoying it enough to do it every day It, it didn't feel that good like it didn't i didn't want to do it every day um, but my practices are shorter now. I'm not doing two-hour absent practices anymore. I, I don't remember the last time I did. And I'm, you know, I'm doing more other things just to, to create more stability in the lower half of my body. Yeah. So, what are some of the other know, things that you're doing? Well, I have, I've always done Pilates in addition to yoga. So I, I'm still doing that. Like I'll go to a Pilates studio a couple of days a week and, um, 
And I go to the gym now, which is, I don't love it, but I do feel like I'm getting really strong from it because I actually really would like to ski again. I'm hoping that this winter, my leg's strong enough that I can feel confident skiing easy runs. I'm not going to scary the first time. Not do anything dumb again. It's going to be super scary my first time, but I want to do it again. And I think that skiing is definitely something that I stopped doing because of yoga. Like I was scared of getting hurt. I hated being cold. Like I just kind of, I stopped doing it. But I never stopped liking it. I just kind of denied myself that pleasure. So I do want to do that again. And, um, you know, skiing is really the only thing I can think of that I really kind of denied myself because of my yoga practice. Like, I've, I really like hiking and I've always yeah, can you continue to do that. And um, Less dangerous. But yes, much less dangerous. When I fall, I just fall on my butt. It's pretty hard to... <laughs> to do anything real stupid go hiking up any um, steep cliffs or anything no no i gotta i've got to keep it easy i use hiking poles now which that's good that's good yeah that's but good. also i think it's important i mean especially for women but also for men as as you age it's really important to build muscle and work on that toning and strengthening of the muscles because it helps like with hormonal balance it helps with just the whole aging process is to create structure right. and stability in your body not necessarily you know, more and more flexibility, especially if you've, you know, spent the last 20 years of your life working on flexibility. It's like, I think it's, as you age, you really need to focus a bit more on creating that stability. You do all those vinyasas. Yeah, but there's a lot of areas of your body, I think, that become a little destabilized. Weren't you guys doing handstands between (laughs) postures? Like you're supposed to be like really working on that. Yeah, but that doesn't work the legs again. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I never, I always felt like my upper body was yeah strong. Yeah, but the lower body was definitely really weak, and I th- I think it actually still is better. Do a, do a lot of warriors go, go back to the uh, the Larry Schultz Grateful Dead series, the Rocket series, right? Got to go back to yeah, that. Yeah, he had a lot of legs stuff, a lot of lunges. lots of legs. I know. I just don't, I can hardly even remember it anymore, yeah. but. <laughs> I just remember it was a but, lot of lunges in there. It was lots of lunges. <laughs> and he was a big advocate of doing twice a day practices. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Since my, my practice collapsed, I have a, like a lot more energy because I'm, I'm not just like putting it, driving it into the practice. One thing that I've noticed is that I walk a lot faster. <laughs> like I walk really much faster. I have the energy to walk fast. Huh. It's, I've just started noticing like how much faster I'm walking. Like I'm really like, I would never put any energy or effort into anything yeah. when I was practicing. Because you were exhausted. Because I was exhausted. <laughs> but now I'm like, well, I'm kind of a fast, I'm really out here moving. <laughs> Captain middle-aged man, you know? I, I, it, it's really like it shifted like, like I, when I first started walking quickly, yeah. I noticed like I was really tight in the front of my hips and my legs. Yeah. But as I really started like putting energy into it, it's like I'm actually kind of working on my flexibility. I, like on your that's sewing. what they mean by stretch your legs, which <laughs> never made any sense. To me. <laughs> so funny. I think it is interesting because the practice, you know, it gives you energy, but it does it. It takes a lot of energy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, even something like walking, you can imagine how it it, it can affect you. Um. I know. I remember I someone it. said to me mm-hmm. once, I was in Mysore and it was like myself and Alaya and I don't know, some other people there. And 
someone's someone was like watching us and we're just like lying around basically on the sofas like barely like moving like barely. like barely even like reaching for like and like a piece of food or something we were having a lunch you know right. and just like totally just like ugh, lying there and someone said you guys do such intense things in your asana practice but like you barely move for the rest of the day it's true we were like yeah yeah <laughs> Alaya always but had that's that. Maybe of being someplace like Mysore is that like you don't have to. You can just exactly. work. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's it kind of is sort of a a little like illusion in a way because again, if you have like a life, a job, you know, other things you're doing, even the amount of driving. Oh my gosh, like right. the amount of driving of our child around. Like sometimes it's hours a day yeah, yeah. of just driving. It's it's minimum <laughs> hour and a half. Right? It takes up a lot yeah. of time and you're just sitting. It does take up a lot of time. And like tightening your hips and your low back. Right. Right. You know, at least in my story, you're just relaxing and, you know, letting your body <laughs> heal all day. I just I just remember, and I really took this at face value, I remember that, that Patabi Joyce said that 30 years of Ashtanga was enough. And like, I'm, I, I did my 30. I did your 30. I'm done. <laughs> I don't. He said 30, 30 years of Ashtanga, and you'll have. Uh, he said like something like healthy life, long lasting, something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm cool, good, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna move on yeah. now. Time to move on to I'm some do other some push ups once in a while, yeah. and then like, go for walks. And... I mean, you do have to attend to your body. I think that's the thing is you have to still like what do is, something for your body. What does because... that look like? Well, no, it can look like many things. So maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's skiing. Maybe it's Doing push-ups every day, maybe what, it's, you know. Well, what is enough? Yeah. What's enough to tend to the body? Well, I don't know. I think that maybe is different for everyone, depending on on situations, oh, right? If you're healing an injury. Oh, it's Jen's look still different. here. Oh, Jen, what do you <laughs> what do you think is enough? I think it depends on the body that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You think so? Right. Like it's gonna and it's gonna change for everybody depending on what they have going on in their lives, also. Yeah. And even like for me, I feel like whatever's enough for my body just varies a lot on a day by day basis or according to where I am in my cycle or like how my knee's feeling or if I did a hike over the weekend or, you're, you know, like it just, it's all just kind of creating some sort of balance. Your bicycles? Oh, no, my, this like my menstrual, depending oh, on. Oh, he's just teasing. I'm you. sorry. I don't know what's oh, going on. My cycle. Did you guys want to talk about that kind of stuff for a bit? <laughs> no, I was just going to say that. We can no, have a different I conversation. Think, I think. I think that that's really that's really important though. I think especially as women, I mean, there's been there's more and more research coming out about right. this for sure. Is that the type of exercise or activity or the amount that you need to do is different at different points in your cycle? And there's certain points that are really good for building muscle and making kind of progress, and other points that are more about just sustaining where you're at. And it's kind of something that I guess we we never really talked about or, you know. It's not known in I, it, Indian it, lore, I guess. So we didn't talk about it in our right. <laughs> our yoga practice. No, and I mean, I wish that people had been talking about that yeah. before because I feel like, you know, like over time, I've kind of figured it out personally. Mm -hmm. But like looking back, I probably pushed through a lot of totally signs that my body was giving me, like hormonally, just like energy level, like expecting too much of my body in terms of how my practice was on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. and. Were you ever at the point um, where you were not having a cycle? No. No. Fortunately, that never happened to me. 
but I've heard of it yeah, happening. Yeah, I know a lot of girls who are not longer. Yeah, I know it happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, it never happened to me either. But definitely, I think having that expectation to perform the same every day, day after day, it's not necessarily a healthy way to approach your practice, I don't think, right? Right. <laughs> did you lie about right. having a, a cycle in Mysore? Like, did I practice on my cycle? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But yeah. I don't subscribe to that necessarily either. I don't think that like that. I've heard you subscribe against that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that women have to pay attention. And, and also, I think you can do your research, like research on yourself, but also you can read research about it, too. And sometimes when you have your cycle, that's actually one of the best times to practice because that's when your hormones are the lowest. Right. <laughs> so, right. There's lots more coming out, and I don't think they did this research in India. <laughs> we still haven't We still haven't gotten Nancy Gogoff on the show to that point. So tell us, so, what is next for you? What's coming up for you, Jen? I have a Ashtanga retreat in Sayulita, Mexico, coming up in March. So I've got a couple of spaces left for that. Yeah, I've, I've taught at this place before. It's a, it's a great place for a yoga retreat, and we have a... Nice group coming. So there's a few spots oh, left. In person. It's an in-person thing. Yeah, yeah it's an uh, in-person retreat in Mexico. It's going to be super fun. Can you describe like what it would be like for me to visit? Like, am I going to go to like the desert? Is there a pool? Am I going to go into the Phoenix? You are going to be um, within walking distance to the beach. So the beach is just a, it's probably like two blocks away from the hotel nice. that we're staying at. And there's just a really nice big open air yoga You said New space, Mexico? Um, no, Mexico. No, regular Mexico. Oh, snap. I'm glad I asked. Okay, wow. Like Puerto Vallarta, something like that? Sayulita. Um, Sayulita. Oh, that's a, okay, that's a place. He okay. was like totally <laughs> zoned out when you said it. I, I heard <laughs> New Mexico is what I... You heard Mexico. And then yeah. I said Phoenix, which didn't make any sense at all so is that on the <laughs> east or west coast it's on the west coast oh. um it's actually you would fly into puerto vallarta oh, you oh, nice. okay nice. yeah oh, beautiful why don't you tell everyone where they can find you um you can find me on instagram at jen renee yoga or my website's jenrenee.com and i have lots of online programs and virtual lysor and hopefully some more in-person stuff coming up soon um yeah so amazing. Yeah, and easy to find. I'm sorry that I was also on the podcast today for your sake, <laughs> but I really thank you for subjecting yourself to this. No, it was so fun to see you because like you seriously blew my mind back in like 2008 when you kicked into Lotus. I still remember it so well. So it was really great to see you. <laughs> That's so you kind of have to have so this sweet. personality to be able to do that, which makes Kicking me ask questions. Which makes me ask questions about Krishmacharya. Like, what kind of guy was he that he and I are so much okay. alike? Because <laughs> well, I'm gonna think about the swivel hips now. You've left me with thinking about the swivel hips. You will yeah. never look at the practice the same I, way. I have swivel a lot hips. of room down there. Let me tell you. Yeah, and now you can think of everyone else who I know who has swivel hips, and I've never had that as a category of. Oh yeah. People do before, not so. respect it. They don't respect the people who have it. They really don't. It's like, oh, that Krishmacharya yeah. guy and Russell and like, who cares? Nobody else. The swivel hips. I think actually Robbie Cavallero is a bit of a swivel hipper, he's actually. A bit of a, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a He's definitely not a backbender. He, he, backbender is, um, he's really good. I just feel space and room. And that's how it feels. And I feel, and I know people that talk about their backs that way. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's spacious. I have room. It's like, I, okay. All right. 
I feel like I'm a bit more like you, Jen. I think I'm a bit more of an arm balancer than anything. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You're sturdy. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to categorize myself, but maybe that would be it, arm balancing. But it is funny because that's probably what's coming back the easiest after. Right. Um, so that's yeah. there, that's what you, there, you there got you go. it. That's an indicator. Yeah. I always yeah. I when I look at the practice, I always think that like what do you lose first and what feels like the hardest to get back? And then what right. kind of sticks around? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you'll know what your strength is, especially yeah. after like a break, right? If yeah, you take yeah, yeah. two months off, where right. where are you at? <laughs> yeah. And I'm s- right. I'm still doing Kandapidasana, but like I cannot do upward dog. Like forget <laughs> it. So there you go. Well, it was such a pleasure to connect with you today. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was lovely. I hope that you really enjoyed that interview with Jen Renee. And one thing that I was thinking about as I stepped away from the conversation we had was that, you know, when we're recovering from an injury or whether it's, you know, giving birth even to a child or maybe it's a knee injury like Jen had or an appendicitis like I had at one point in India back in 2008, there's no real looking back, you know, there's no real benefit of thinking that you need to get your practice back or get back to anywhere. I think that real true freedom comes when you can just embrace going forward and look at what it is that you are building and creating and stepping into and that the future can be even better than the past, right? I think sometimes we get so stuck in comparing where we are now to where we used to be that we inhibit and prevent ourselves from really opening up into a more expansive, more abundant place in life. And I would just encourage you to maybe journal or think about where is it that you are looking back at maybe your practice or maybe a stage or a phase or a time in your life and you're really thinking that those were the days that was so wonderful when I could do that thing or I had that kind of freedom or that kind of time or energy or attention and really like take note of where those places are in your life. We all have them. There's no shame around it. But then allowing yourself to just release, like even doing an energetic cutting meditation where you can cut the cords on the past to just allow yourself to really open up and step into the possibility of a more abundant, more expansive, a better new experience of whatever that area of your life is that you're kind of hanging on to as I wish I had what it used to be. You know, let's let's embrace the unknown. Let's embrace the opportunity for life to surprise us and for it to get even better every single day. So that was my thoughts around our conversation and some of the takeaways that I'm walking away with, an opportunity to look where I'm limiting my own beliefs about my abilities or about um, the past and, and how it's preventing me from really opening up into a more expansive future around my own practice or my own energy or my own um, dedication and commitments in life. So I hope that you do the same. And if you would love to go through this process with me of really stepping into a more abundant and expansive 2024, 
Now is the time to sign up and join me for my More Than Asana mentorship. I'm opening it up to 20 individuals only who are ready to really, really step into this new place within themselves, within their spiritual practice, their yoga practice, their business, whatever your goals are, we're going to go deep into examining what's holding us back and really embracing and embodying more confidence, more clarity, and becoming that leader that you know you're here on this planet to be. So stepping into your leadership with authenticity and with grace and with confidence. I look forward to connecting with you. Drop me a line if you want more information, harmony at harmonyslater.com. That's my email. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at harmonyslaterofficial. That's my Instagram handle. And otherwise, I will connect with you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon.